Welcome back to the league scenes. Look at State of Origin 3, where New South Wales avoided a clean sweep of the Origin Series for the first time in 13 years with a 24-10 victory over the Queensland Maroons. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, contributor of League Unlimited, the front row program, and the New South Wales stats. We've stats before. Joining us, as always, the two of Sam Cadet, Jerno, the man with the news, Mr. Reece Sullivan. G'day, g'day, AJ. Well... I guess we can't have the sweep this year. Uh, the brooms have to go back in the closet, unfortunately. But, you know, credit, credit to where it's due with New South Wales. They did what they had to do to avoid the 3-0. Uh, you know, just end of the day, better team won on the day. So, you know, you can have your game three victory while we take the shield home. So... <laughs> So we're going to go recap the game through, recap Brad Fittler's future. Does he have a future at New South Wales now? I'm not too sure. I think that there'll be a few people in the New South Wales Rugby League that'll think, oh, we won game three, let's keep his job. But, but there's a couple of candidates that I want to put forward that I think could do a better job. We're going to look ahead to... Uh, what else are we going to look ahead to? We're going to look ahead to tonight because we've got the under-19s origin tonight. A couple of interesting players Reese wants to highlight from his home club. But we're going to get straight into this game. And it was an early penalty of Fon. We had Jeremiah Nene penalised for being downtown. And then New South Wales, a bit unlucky with this Bradman best no try. You have to have both feet behind the ball. And I don't know. It was a bit touch and go, that one, for mine. I thought his front foot was a, a little bit in front of... Um, Liam Martin when the ball came off his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you could also say Liam Martin, was he behind Cody Walker at the initial kick? There's a couple of questions you could have asked there. Um, I, I, I thought, looking at the first replay, I think it was pretty clear to me that Bradman Best was a bit offside, but I think we need the um, FIFA offside line, you know, <laughs> the way they do in the Champions League, where they show the two players and they show one side offside. I think we need to bring that into the NRL. Come on, Hawkeye. Do your good deed, mate. Do your good deed. But I think New South Wales dominated a lot of the early field position, and I was kind of a little bit worried when we'd make some mistakes, Liam Martin dropping the ball in the fifth minute, that we wouldn't be able to capitalise on that. We'd make the same mistakes as we were in game two. But Mitchie Moses, for me, really took the game by the scruff of the neck. He was so dynamic running the football. He had 12 runs, 127 metres. He was taking the game to... Uh, Queensland in the opening exchanges, and I think that's what really opened it up. Yeah, probably the most scary thing you can have in a rugby league team is 13 players who can run the footy. Because then your focal point in your attack, it can just be so varied, and it really leaves the defence guessing. And obviously, I still think there are some question marks with how much Mitch Moses was running the ball because, what, he had, you know, 52 touches and he only passed on 29 of them. So I think there are questions about halfbacks. Is that efficient for a number seven? Not passing the ball as much as, say, a Nathan Cleary would in that situation. But at the same time, 12 carries, 127 metres. He really kept the Queensland defence on their toes. And on top of that, it meant that when Cody Walker ran the ball, it allowed it to be more effective because, you know, traditionally, you're seven and six, one of them's the ball runner, one of them's the playmaker. So Cody Walker was able to sit into that playmaking role, which he doesn't get to do now at Souths because of Lachlan Ilias. But we all know when Reynolds was there, how good he was at being able to just make those quick decisions you know, run, pass, kick, that triple threat. And that's what we saw last night at the Blues level. We did see it at the Blues level. I also think Cam Murray starting the game really gave a massive point of difference for our attack. It was just really dynamic, good to see, a bit of hard running, and also that play the ball speed really troubled the Maroons, especially when they got on the front foot. But eventually, uh, Queensland worked their way into the game and they picked up the first try through David Fafita. A bomb went up from Cameron Munster, it was knocked out. I think they put a bit of a target on Brian Toto's head in the air throughout that game. And in defense of James Tedesco's attempt to tackle, um, nobody's stopping Big D for feet that close to the line. Walsh has had the same issues. 
uh, Coblen. So I can definitely safely say that when Fafita's that close to the line, I think you need more than one fullback to bring him down. Um, so I will defend to Desco on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very lucky. I thought it could be a knock-on from the hammer with the tap-back. But uh, at the same time, Tor has to do a little bit better. I know I know, one-on-one in the air against the hammer is very tough for any winger. But, you know, Tor, he is a bit of a liability in the air. Like, that's probably the biggest weakness in his game. Yeah. And it, it does bear the question... <clears throat> Come finals time, our team's going to look at that and try to target him with kicks, especially teams like the Broncos, where he'll be going up against a guy like Selwyn Cobo. you got teams like Melbourne, where he'll be going up against a guy like Xavier Coates. Got Warbrick on that you know, same side as well. Those teams could punish him. Also got Warbrick on that same side as well, where you can target a little bit, but... Uh, New South Wales able to hit back and they found a weakness in Queensland's armour down there, right edge defence. It was highlighted when Ipswich were able to carve up down that side of the field and it's a shame that it's taken a competent centre that can actually play centre at club land to give Josh Adokar some early ball. Yeah, what a surprise that when the Blues put an actual centre down that side, it works. And, I mean... Let's talk about Brandon Best for a second because he was phenomenal. He was. Right. 12 carries, 129 metres, a line break, a couple line break assists, three tackle breaks. He just, for a guy on debut who's been very much maligned making his debut, he did his job very well defensively, bit of a mixed bag, but at the same time, that's origin, I guess. And Queensland weren't really bringing the ball down that side of the field anyway. They're more attacking Crichton and Dorr. Yeah. So. A bit of an Adam Mogg moment with Bradman Best. It's, yeah. Look, who knows? He's still only 21 years old. I think, I think realistically, the best centre pairing for the future for the Blues might be Best and Troll. Unless they want to play Troll at fullback, in which case you'd be looking at Best Crichton, Best Jatoni Staggs. Something like that. But the Blues, I think the Blues, this should definitely have killed the idea of playing like full-on fullbacks and centre. Like, you know, your Tommy Turbos, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that should be dead. Yeah. Not not everyone's a Jack White. Fair. Very fair. And I think that 2021 series, and I think I've said it to you a couple of times, that should have had a giant fucking asterisk next to it because of a thing called PVL ball. That just made the threat so much notified. And don't forget, that was such a weaker Queensland team than what we've seen 2022 and 2023. That too. So, yeah. But, like, I think there are definitely a lot of things the Blues have learned from this game or should have learned from this game that they found worked. But there's also a few things that they have to look at and say, well, you know, especially that second half. They have to look at that and go, well, what do we do wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know they won the second half 6-0, but given given the start to the game they had, that feels like a loss. Yeah, I 100% agree. And then you had um off the penalty goal from Harry Grant doing a bit of late pressure. I want to get your thoughts on this. Grant over Hunt. Do you think if Billy Slater had his time again, a couple of tactical misfires, that one, bringing David Fafita off as well? I'm not too sure what to make there. It, it was an interesting decision. I thought when the team first came out, I was a bit surprised by it because, you know, it's been going so well. Just having Hunt start that game, start the game, and then bringing Grant on the field 20, 25 minutes in, letting him get to those tired middles, and then you have Hunt coming back into the game around the 50th minute mark, playing a little bit of lock, playing a little bit of dummy half, and it's worked all even in game one, playing a little bit of centre. Mm-hmm. And it worked extremely well for the Maroons. But, you know, I think the first little bit of the game, Grant was pretty effective. I really liked his decision to kick out dummy half uh, very early in the game, try and look for the 40-20, even if it was a little bit short. At the same time, Hunt would have probably done the same thing, though. And good chance with Hunt, he does get that 40-20. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
understand I understand Billy trying it because two reasons. Number one, obviously it's a dead rubber. You can't get away with stuff like that because it won't affect the outcome of the series. But then also number two, Ben Hunt's not going to be around forever. He turns 34 next year. He's approaching the last few couple of years of origin. You, you do need to have that succession plan in place. And I think what he's looking at is, can Harry Grant be a starting hooker at origin level? Or do we have to bring in a guy like, you know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but a kid like Blake Moser, who can just control the pace. Like, I, I, I see your face there. He, I'm trying to do everything to avoid saying Jake Turpin, right? That's, that's my defense. Um, but, no, just a guy who can control the tempo a little bit before, before Grant gets injected into the game, if, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get the point. I'm just like, that name, what? <laughs> I, I, I preface this by saying I know it's a few years away. Could have even said Reid Marnie and I wouldn't have complained. Hey, let, let's watch it Rose us not. I'm confident. I'm confident Rose is going to have a great game. Eventually, we'll get onto that a little bit later, but... At least it would be much better than what he did last year. Oh, he just doesn't have to spear tackle anyone this year. Uh, let's go to Josh Adokar. We touched on a bit of early ball before. That chip and chase. That was Slater-esque. Yes, but let's talk, let's talk about the shocking fullback defence by Brimson first. He was like being a volleyball player. <laughs> but like, not even that. He didn't put any pressure on Adokar at all. Didn't rush him. Let him make the decision. And then got caught out by the chip. Like, I know Brimson's never been the best defender. But that was shocking. And it just shows, like, I know everyone bags Reese Walsh for being a bad tackler. But Walsh would have put pressure on in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, goes both ways, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And I think you were just getting absolutely gashed down that right that your right hand side of the field, New South Wales has left Cody Walker dynamic ball to the line for Bradman best to pick up his maiden origin try and I could sense by that moment that there was a bit of turn in Queensland because normally we rarely score free tries on the bounce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a moment where I realised the game was lost personally. Mm-hmm. Like I thought um you know, there was very little chance to come back after that because, honestly, I thought you guys were going to put a cricket score on us after that. Three straight tries, all down the same edge. I thought it was going to be very tough for the Maroons to come back and get themselves back into the game. But they sort of did. They sort of did. Hammer crosses, brings it back to a one-try game. That was a good try. Then, let's talk about that quickly. Just Yeah, let's talk about that try because, you know, best makes the error, gives Queensland the ball, and then... Lovely, lovely little line break by Hammer for the solo try. Yeah, and we're talking about fullback defence. Tedesco came up in, made a bit of play, was trying to do a bit of a soccer, was looking after his best mate Luis Suarez on the play. <laughs> but I think with Hammer this year, I think you've just seen his game go to another level at centre. And I really think that I don't know where his best position is still. I mean, even though he's been killing it at fullback this year for the Dolphins. He's been killing it in centres for Queensland at State of Origin. I don't know where Wayne Bennett finds the perfect balance because looking at the Dolphins roster, who do you put at fullback? Nick Arima? Well, I mean, next season you have Herbie coming in. You got Herbie, Herbie and Avarillo. But Herbie and Avarillo coming in. So it's going to be a really great fullback battle because probably the two losers of that, they'll play centres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you look at what Hammer does at the Maroons. I feel like he definitely can do that at centre for the Dolphins too. I think Hammer's best position is probably centre because he's able to just get the ball in a good position. Whereas at fullback, he's sort of having to catch the ball and create, which I think is a bit of a weaker point in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw firsthand when he moved to centre against the Broncos, just being able to give him that quality ball in space and just try to, the defenders trying to slide it across. It just, with his speed, it is very tough to defend that at centre. Very tough. Um, I think... So I think, realistically, probably the Dolphins' best right now, I'd say Avril fullback, Herbie, and Hammer as the two centres. But we haven't seen Herbie at fullback yet. So maybe maybe Wayne Bennett has a couple of tricks up his sleeve with that. 
I'm just trying to remember where he played. I mean, he's played... Hammers played now 17 games at centre. He started his career in the NRL as a centre. Played there for about 2021. Played a couple games there in 2022. I am looking at Hammer, right? Yeah. And he's moved back there. Actually, no, I'm not looking at this shot. Because he's not named at centre. He's named at fullback here. <laughs> this is broken rugby league project. I've got to tell you. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Club career centre. Maybe that's where I was looking at it wrong. Yeah, much better. Yeah. So he's only played a handful of games at centre. So at the NRL level, 17 of his 65 games have been at centre. So it'll be interesting to see how that fares uh, for them moving forward. He's pretty much he's pretty much played an even amount now between centre, wing and fullback, which is very interesting. I like him as a centre because what that enables Hammer to do is he gets him that early ball. He's able to get on the outside of a couple of defenders. And ultimately, that gives guys in that team, like your Jermaine Asakos, like your Tefales, who isn't playing this week, obviously, but it gives them options around, especially on the outside and inside. Like, you've got Lemuelu, who's been a game-breaker on that left-hand edge this year that can capitalise on that too. But some sloppy discipline from Queensland in the latter half of the second half. I think he threw the intercept to Crichton when he was doing his hot potato bit of play. But And then Grant concedes a penalty. And you go down two possessions at the break. Yeah. That penalty, that penalty goal really hurt. But Queensland's discipline was not their friend in this game. They gave the Blues way too many extra sets, and they actually ended up with better possession for once. Like I, I think that's the first time this series where the Maroons have finished up with more possession. But you know they gave up. I'm trying to just scroll down here. Um, 11 errors, 6 penalties, and 3 rocket infringements. So, it was just, you know, ill-discipline. Something we have seen a few glimpses of throughout Origin, throughout the first two games, but Game 3, we really saw the Blues be able to take advantage of some ill-discipline, really be able to get into good scoring positions. Obviously, kicked 2 penalty goals off it. Um, so, yeah. Just... Got to be better. Got to be better. After the break, you did be able to create an opportunity when Murray Talangi went through off a very obvious forward pass from Valley. He was learning from the Adam Gase playbook with that forward pass. <laughs> Halfback pass, mate. <laughs> the toss to Talangi! <laughs> but, again, we saw... Touchies have had a couple of shockers with the forward pass of this series. Jeez. They dropped the touchy that missed the Fafita one. And then, yeah, that was a horrible decision, whoever let that pass through. There was a couple of them in the game, too, that favoured the Maroons. I understand that, um, especially at origin level, you do want to give some benefit of the doubt. You want to let the attack flow a little bit. But if it's forward, if it's forward. Yeah, there's a difference between benefit of the doubt and... <laughs> Letting the players play NFL. So. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Tino ended up throwing an NFL-style pass later in the game, too. <laughs> but you weren't able to capitalise. You did force a goal line dropout, and then Harry Grant got the ball fairly taken away from him by Stephen Crichton. And then uh, I really felt that James Tedesco started taking the game by the scruff of the neck. He had two line breaks, and... First half was a bit quiet for Teddy. Didn't really have his hands on the football. Wanted to let Walker, Moses dictate a bit of control. But I kind of felt like he made the game his own in that second half. Yeah, exactly. I think the big the big thing for the Blues was when Xavier Coates had that error. Yeah. I think I think after that, because they had a couple of pressures, they conceded inside the 10 and then they conceded a set restart after, or they gave a set restart after at the same time. Xavier Coates making that error, it brings Campbell Gillard onto the field shortly afterwards. And that's when you just see the side, the tide slowly sw- switch. Moses gets into the groove with a couple bombs. One of them almost comes off for Bradman Best, but 
bit, bit unfortunate. Um, but then, yeah, then in comes Tedesco, line break, forces the dropout off the back of that, and then, you know, they have the no try. Oh, that's right, they had off the short, you guys went short off that dropout, and then Crichton knocked forward, and I think Yo was in front. Yo was offside, yeah, Yo was offside. Yeah. And Damn. then, off that, off that, you have Cherry Evans put up a bomb, which is diffused nicely, Queensland go up again, put up another Cherry Evans bomb, which gets diffused again. And then you have Tedesco making the line break and turning it into a second try for Bradman Best. Adam Mogg's career simulator right there. But... So, you know, two massive plays really just against the title of the game for Tedesco. But that's that's where he is at his strength, isn't it? That's what we've been saying all series. Yeah, 18 runs for Teddy, 247 metres, uh, 20, 83 kick return metres, 42 post contact, a half break. Uh, two line breaks, one try assist. We won't talk about the defensive side of his game for um, no particular reason. He's a fullback. He's a fullback. We don't care about defence for fullbacks. But we do have to bring it up because some people have uh, one intercept, three kick diffusers, five missed tackles, two ineffective. See how he did the good ones nice and early? <laughs> That's what you call propaganda, kids. We've got we to gotta start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but Queensland did have an opportunity late. Uh, I think who... Was it Hammer that dropped the ball over the line? Yeah, Hammer coming off off the back of that uh, Murray drop, and then they go and attack, but Hammer drops it over the line. Um, but then after that, you know, Munster forces a drop out, then Holmes knocks on, Hammer gives up a set restart, Val gives up a penalty for a strip, you know, just, and then I know the Blues couldn't take advantage of that at a car. Made a play, but couldn't take advantage of it. They have one more chance late through Talongi. They drop that. And then Bradman Best drops in the last minute. But by that point, the game's already over. 100%, so. my friend. And New South Wales claim the victory. Will it be enough to save Brad Fittler's job? Now, Reese is very ha- Reese is going to be like, yeah, Fittler should keep his job. He made necessary changes to the side. I can see him laughing. <laughs> You agreeing? Uh, personally, I would love Brad Fittler to keep his job, obviously. <laughs> but it's, I, don't think I don't think he deserves it. I think at the end of the day, what this showed, this Game 3 win showed, was that the squad was there for him to pick, to be able to do this. And he ignored it for the first two games only picked them when it was already too late. Only put a game plan in place to play at New South Wales' best when it was already too late. And even even then, the consistency throughout the game just wasn't there for the Blues. So I think it's best to go in a different direction, but at the same time, the question is, what direction? Do you go with a guy like Jeff Toovey? who's been around the block, who's understands how to coach the game, or do you look at, you know, a more younger coach who can more relate to these players? Like, for example, a Boyd Horner. That's exactly the road I'm thinking. That's exactly the road I'm thinking. Boyd's got the passion. He's got the drive. He knows what it takes to win at origin level. He's been around the game. He's now an assistant coach with the Roosters. I, I throw my weight hugely behind Boyd Corner as the new coach of New South Wales. But I do understand views like Jeff Toovey, his name being thrown up. You've even got guys that have been around the camp. Like, you've even got, I think, a bit of a wild card in there. The under-19s coach, Andrew Ryan. I, I like I him. Think, I think the big thing, you got to remember, the Maroons had the chance to hire Slater in 2021. They overlooked him for ball green. Like, obviously, you know... Keep everything else to the side with Paul Green. We mm-hmm. all know what happened at the end. But the 2021 series went poorly. They went back. They hired Slater again. And he has won back-to-back series in his first two series. So it shows younger coaches, they might not be the best at NRL level, but they can certainly work at Origin. Yeah, I'll warn you, though, that um, a certain B. Fittler won his first two series as coach. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look how it's ended for us now. We've lost three out of our last four. Choked two of them. This one was the first one where I could say we were that horrifically outplayed and didn't deserve to be anywhere near the series until it was far too late. Um, Brandy's got to go as well as this chief advisor bullshit. Like, yes, the selection to pick Bradford Best in hindsight worked, but you can understand the criticism at the time and the, the critics of Sin Seed and Crow, which I think will probably keep Brandy around, which is a shame, but... I think going forward for New South Wales, it's an interesting ask for them, I think. And you look at the stable. Here's my question, okay? Because you look at the people running the Maroons right now, all right? You've got, obviously, Slater as the head coach. You've got Cameron Smith in as an assistant. Jonathan Thurston as an assistant. Darren Lockyer is sort of like in that Greg Alexander role as the chief advisor. You know, all the guys who are in there in those late 2000s throughout the 2010s. Mm -hmm. Outside of really Cordner, maybe Paul Gallen, who else do the Blues have that fit that mould? Josh Jackson could be there. Josh Jackson. Would, would Would you consider a James Maloney or a Josh Reynolds? I think you need to have a bit of a loose cannon in there at times. I think you... Yeah. I tend to agree. Even this might... Uh, even... Like, uh, if you want an experienced head, I think you could go down the route of a Farrer. Jamie Soward, maybe? Not Soward. Not Soward. He's too, he's too busy with NRLW. Yeah. Well, um, would, would, he, would he leave NRLW for an assistant coach in New South Wales? That's the question. No, he's way too committed with the women's game. I think he's way too committed with what he's trying to build at the Dragons. Uh, who else could we throw in the ring like this? Mm. Gidley? <laughs> <laughs> Like who we got on the bench? <laughs> hey, captaincy material, mate. Captaincy material. But I think um, Trent Barrett. <laughs> we all know Origin Trent Barrett loves a cheap shot, <laughs> and then gets abused by a five-year-old afterwards. <laughs> Yours truly did that <laughs> on a cold Allianz Stadium Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Wet and rainy Lovely. night in. Hang on, I've got to rephrase it. A wet and rainy night in Moore Park. <laughs> we all know Trent Barrett can do it on a flat track, but can he do it on a rainy night in Sydney? <laughs> Survey says... <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the question then asks, like, the Blues currently have Fitler, Alexander, Badiris is in there. I'd keep Bedsy around, to be honest. I would keep Bedsy around, 100%. Uh, 100%. Mary McGregor's there. Um, I don't mind Mary's... Like an assistant coach, to be honest. I, I quite like it, to be honest. But I definitely think that moving forward for the Blues, there needs to be change. And who they bring into coach is honestly, it's still a toss of the coin, to be honest. Like, the, the thing is, the coin is all the remaining sides of a 50-cent piece who it's between. Yeah, exactly. The, the big thing for the Blues is they do have options. It's not like it was with the Maroons in 2022 heading into that series where there was just a clear-cut favourite for the coach. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just... It was Billy Slater and then everyone else below. Like, if Slater knocked the job back, that's when you start looking at the other guys. But, you know, for the Blues, they have a lot of different players who play a lot of different styles and who would bring different sort of interpretations of what Origin is to the table. Like, if you go for a guy like 2V you might see them sort of go back to that early sort of 2010s where they were trying to sort of throw the ball around a lot more. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cordner would be a lot more hard-nosed, would be a lot more direct, would be a lot more, this is how you play Origin. Like yeah. traditional sort of Origin style of play. And you had Ivan Cleary in the box as well on Wednesday night. That was an interesting little addition there. But before we get on to our report card, I do have to touch on something that happened during the game that has definitely caught my attention uh we had a free pitch invaders enter the field of play one tried to either high five or slap the back of hamaso tabuifido another nearly got to jake chaboyevich and hugged him (laughs) like seriously how hard is your job at stadium security you see someone go on the field, you get, pretend you're on that treadmill, and you tackle the crap out of him. It is not hard. 
It is not hard. Yeah, um, I mean, all the talk of Origin potentially going to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand, we've got bigger problems to deal with at the moment. But again, we've had this uh, pitch invader already has a 12-month ban. Last month, a pitch invader pled guilty to two charges, including common assault after running onto Wynn Stadium to hug Zach Lomax. (laughs) Ah, that's an interesting charge with assault, but I also understand. Yeah, trust me, my friend. Absolutely trust me. But anyway, it is time to look at our report card. I'm going to kick off with New South Wales. Starting with James Tedesco, I am giving Teddy an 8. He was really, really good. Uh, back to his best and deserves to keep his spot for 2024. Maybe. 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 If he don't... If he... If he doesn't decide to retire, that is. Yeah. Watch him carry the um, almighty Sydney Roosters to a premiership and then tell me he's not the best player in the game. <laughs> okay, take your uh, red, white and blue glasses off and try to repeat that statement. <laughs> uh, watch James Tedesco try and salvage something from the Roosters season. Yeah, that, that's not, that does not the same ring to it. <laughs> uh, Brian Toto, oh, I'm giving a six. Um, great coming out of yardage again. I just think those kick diffusers worked against him for me. Uh, Stephen Crichton, I am giving a six. Uh, didn't do enough for me out of yardage. Only the six runs. Everyone else had ten or more carries in the New South Wales back five. Defensively, though, he was very sound and had that critical intercept. Uh, Bradman Best, I am giving an 9 for Origin debut. Exactly what the Blues needed in that position. Uh, the Fox, let's try bra. I am giving a 7. Ah, uh, gee, it's good to see the Fox back in true flight. And let's just take a look at that defensive stats. Okay, the defense is still shit, but he did make a tackle this time. Hey! Concerningly for Canterbury, he did leave the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, Cody Walker, I am giving a 9. A linebreaker assist, a try assist. Really took the game by the scruff of the neck. Uh, Mitchie Moe, I'm giving a 7. Did well in the first half. Forty kind of disappeared a little bit in the second half. Was good kicking game-wise. Jerbo, I'm giving a 6. Need to see a little bit more from him. Only the 10 runs, 64 metres. Needed to lift in that pack roll. Uh, Damien Cork, a much better game from Cookie. Five runs, 33 metres, 31 tackles, and a rating of seven. Uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, I'm giving an eight. 13 runs, 134 metres, 45 post-contact metres, 26 tackles, two misses. The bloke is a monster. Liam Martin, I'm going to give a six. Only the four runs in 80 minutes for Liam. Back, back to the old Liam after the first two games where we really saw him do well. 42 tackles, 5 missed, 4 ineffective. So that played into it as well. Keon Kalomatanya, I'm giving a 7. Uh, 8 runs, 82 metres. Got himself involved defensively, I thought was quite sound as well. Uh, Kea Murray, I'm giving an 8. He needs to be starting all future Origin games. Isaiah Yo, I'm going to give a 7. I thought his impact off the bench was outstanding. Definitely gave us a little bit of volume. Uh, Jay Saf, I'm going to give a five. Uh, limited involvement. I wanted to see a little bit more in his 25 minutes. Did carry the ball hard. Uh, di- didn't have a tackle break, but um, did have five hit-ups. He was very, very busy, made to, uh, 17 tackles as well. Uh, Reese Robson, I'm going to give a six. Uh, good defensively, made some runs out of dummy half. And Clint Gufferson doesn't get any points despite his three-minute cameo. <laughs> What have you got, friend Amundo? At least this time, at least this time, Fizzle not having a plan worked because they only needed 16 players to win. To be fair, we did have a plan when Ado Car went off injured with free to go. <laughs> fair enough. What have you got, my friend? Uh, all right, so Brimson, I'm going to give a four. I think his running meters do almost uh, even out that horrific defense that he had. I would have loved to see him be that third option in the kicking game, though. Really takes a little more pressure off DCE and Munster. Uh, just wasn't to be. 
Coates, I'm going to give him a four. Mm. I've always had the same criticisms with Xavier Coates. You've heard it a million times before, but I'll just say it again. Absolutely no kick return game. Defense was horrific, and he also had two errors. So, uh, like, like I said to Haley, the Xavier Coates experience. <laughs> uh, Val, I'm going to give him a five. Definitely his worst game of the series. Tried hard, but just couldn't really influence the game as he's had in the first two. Uh, Hammer gets a six. Again, very similar to Val, but I think he did play a little bit better overall, uh, especially on the defensive side. He had to deal with a lot of traffic and, you know, 19 tackles, only one miss. That's very perfect for a center. Um, Murray, I'm going to give him a six as well. Very good in the kick return. Made a lot of meters coming out of yardage. Good post-contact. Didn't have to make a tackle at all in the game, which is a bit interesting. Um, but I guess Hammer really helped him with that. Um, Cammy Munster, I'm going to give a 6-2. Again, just what you expect out of Cameron Munster, really. 136 meters, 38 of which came post-contact, by the way, which is interesting. Five tackle breaks, really dynamic. You know, a couple offloads, a couple... Sh- you know, good dynamic kicking game, really doing whatever he could to try and keep the Maroons in the game. Uh, Just couldn't get done in the end. DCE, I'm going to give him a five. Now, consistent, forced to drop out. Kicking game was there all the time, really dynamic. Uh, Just really didn't get his hands on the ball in situations to create as much as he probably should have. Did get the eight carries, uh, but only for 38 metres, and he didn't create a single line break assist or try assist in the game. So, a bit disappointing, but the kicking game was still there, which really, you bring DCE in, and that's what you want to see. Uh, Ruben Cotter, I'm going to give him a five. Got through a mountain load defensively, but still had the four missed tackles. And attacking-wise, 14 carries, 116 metres, 46 post-contact. Not bad. Harry Grant, I'm going to give him a three. Um, disappointing. You know, tried tried to run out of dummy half, but really just didn't wasn't able to find the space. Did pick up a line break assist, which was obviously very nice to see. But just defensive-wise, only the 28 tackles. You just, you just need to see a little bit more out of your hookup. Especially given that this was his big chance, starting in the side, his big chance to prove himself didn't come off. Tino, I'm going to give him a 6. 17 carries, 150 meters, very, very effective. 21 tackles, no misses, is nice as well. But again, just would have liked to see him do a little bit more. Uh, David Fafita, I'm giving him a 6 as well. Got himself a try. You know, 10 carries, 68 meters, walks away with 3 tackle breaks, which is very, very good Although a little bit a little bit lower than maybe you'd expect from him. Sixteen tackles, one miss, not bad at all. Jeremiah Nene, I'm going to give him a five. Pretty even. Eight carries, seventy-nine meters, the one tackle break and the five missed tackles. So, you know, the attack wasn't there, and you still see the defensive issues that made me question his selection in the first place. Paddy Carrigan, I'm giving him a six. Much better game on the ball for him. 15 carries, 153 metres. Three tackle breaks, which is very, very good for Pat Carrigan. Uh, No offloads, which was disappointing. And then he also had five missed tackles and one ineffective as well. Um, Which, again, you don't normally see from him. So, different different game from Carrigan than what you'd expect at the Broncos. Uh, Benny Hunt, I'm giving him a four. Very similar to Grant uh, in the fact that he tried five carries on dummy half, but only the 28 meters uh, did end up with a tackle break, though, which Grant didn't. So very nice. Defensively, though, 26 tackles, two misses. Again, I know the Blues weren't exactly forcing the ball down the middle too much, but I still feel like he needed to do a little bit more there. Lindsay Collins, I'm giving him a four disappointed in him. The Blues really, I think, manned up on his number after a really strong showing in the first two games. 11 carries, 84 metres, only 24 post-contact. 
did have a tackle break, um, but 26 tackles, one miss. Not the best, not the worst from him. Certainly a downgrade from what we've seen the first two games. Mo Fonawaker gets a five. I thought he was consistent. Eight carries, 79 meters, 26 first contact. Did have a tackle break and walks away with 17 tackles and one miss. And then Corey Horsburgh on debut. I'm giving him a five as well. Really just didn't get um, the impact he probably deserved to have a chance in the game, but still walks away. Five carries, 40 post con- or forty meters, eight post contact, three tackle breaks, which obviously you bring him in. That's the dynamicism you want. And then the defense was there. 18 tackles, one miss. We've touched on a couple of times the defense will always be there for Corey, and it didn't change the origin level. So... Overall, it's not the worst performance of a Queensland team I've ever seen. Just a little bit disappointing from the standard we've seen the first two games. Fair enough, my friend. Uh, some reasoning behind David Fafita's uh, limited game time in Game 1, as uh, Game 3 has come to light. He suffered a hip pointer and also had back tightness during the first half. NRL Physio tells us that it's effectively a bad contusion and bruise on the hip. A hip pointer is extremely painful and can limit function. Most settle within 5 to 10 days, but if it's aggravated again, it can be more. So it'll be interesting to see if D Fafita backs up on Sunday night against the Eels. And then also, from a Broncos standpoint, I know there was the rumours that Carrigan might be rested, but only playing 55 minutes, and I say only because we do know at the Broncos level he's a seven-minute player. Mm-hmm. Like, how, does that change what their plan is? Maybe, maybe not, but on to something a little bit exciting. We've got the under-19s uh, men's and women's state of origin tonight. Uh, both games are on Free to wear and also on Foxtel. Uh, some exciting players we highlighted on our league scene page. And thank you to the Lord and Saviour Rugby League Guru for defending us in the wake of people trying to have a go at us. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you very much, lads. Appreciate We love Guru. We love Guru. But some interesting players here that in this women's game I want to highlight. Uh, Shaylee Joseph, as Vader gives us a wild appearance. Uh, Shaylee Joseph is the sister of Keely Joseph, who's been shining for the Roosters in the NRLW. Uh, Riley Jorgensen is another one I've heard big raps about from Queensland. And also the winger Ebony Rafstrand-Smith is on a contract, I believe, with North Queensland in this season's NRLW. So it will be an interesting one to watch as far as Queensland. For New South Wales, uh, Lasana Lutu is playing with the Tigers. She's one to watch. Kala Sapani, Hopawadi, and Monalisa Soliola are other ones to watch. Monalisa, of course, has the honour of scoring the first ever try at the new Allianz Stadium. Uh, as far as the backs, I like the winger, Grace Lee Week. She's got a lot of potential, as does the fullback, Sienna Williams. So that game is the first one at 5.45. Uh, the men's game at 7.45. There's a couple of Broncos here that Reese wants to touch on. The winger, Israel Leota. Of course, he's Hooker, Blake Moser, and of course, Ben Takura. Some of these names, and in fact, all of those names we've touched on at stages this year in the lower grade report. Yeah, and also a couple other guys uh, we have sort of looked at in the lower grade report. Um, more particularly on New South Wales as well. You have Samuel Afanu, who's captaining the side. Um, obviously, a lot on him. Latu Afanu playing at 5'8". Ethan Sanders at halfback, very talented. Um, how many Roosters are in the side? Roosters don't have any representation this year. We're very really? lucky. Yeah, we're, we're first in Jersey flag, yet we don't have representation here. Yeah, that's that's a bit shady. But obviously the main player that I, I think all eyes will need to be on tonight is going to be Chevy Stewart at fullback. We've, We've touched, touched on him. him. Touched on him a lot. He has really, I think, limitless potential in this game. Just absolute amazing find for Canberra. And let's let's see how he goes. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how he goes. I think if he shows what I think we all expect him to show, I think a lot of fans will start to stand up and take notice. Let I'm, me just... I'm, I'm 100% buying stock in this Chevy Stewart train. And <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to see how far it goes. 
Let me just get up his New South Wales Cup stats quickly just to illustrate our point. Uh, in his nine games of New South Wales Cup this year, four tries, four try assists, two line breaks, 39 tackle breaks, uh, 48 made tackles, 20 misses. He's averaging 121 metres a game. I look back at his best game was his last game against Penrith, of course, the premier side in New South Wales Cup. 165 metres, made 12 tackles, really strong defensively, picked up a try as well. And he also showcased a bit of a kicking game as there as well. So, And he also had two tackle breaks. So Chevy Stewart, definitely one to watch. Yeah, exactly. And I also think as well, another player for the Maroons Go ahead. Uh, would be the halfback, Zach Lamont. Okay. I've heard some very good things about him. Uh, I believe he's contracted to the Cowboys. Checking now. 100% sure on that. Yeah, he's in he's Townsville Blackhawks. Yeah. Uh, but again, I've, obviously there's a lot of rumours that the Cowboys might be moving on from Chad Townsend. I know there's talk Jake Clifford might be coming back there. But definitely their future will be with, at some point, Zach Lamont. At halfback. So, Cowboys fans, if you get to watch tonight, keep your eye on the Maroons number seven. Number seven there, Chad Lam- oh, Sorry, did I get the name right? Yeah, no. Uh, Zach. Zach. Zach, Zach. <laughs> you freaked Chad in my mouth, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you sound like somebody then. You've always got Chad Tanser in your mind. <laughs> Not quite like that, but yeah, some interesting ones there. Other ones to keep an eye out on the New South Wales front. I'll just, just go through this quickly for Queensland. Um, Caleb Jackson, the centre, he's a Dolphins affiliate. Uh, another one I like is the lock forward, Damon Marshall. He's come through the Bulldogs for leg side this year. He's looked pretty promising as well. But for New South Wales, Ethan Ferguson is the cousin, I believe, of Latrell Mitchell. So that is a very interesting one to keep an eye on. He moved to South Sydney immediately on a deal. Uh, we were meant to see Jesse McLean play in this game, but he was a late scratching. Penrith need him, apparently, to play this week. Fair enough. Um, very few Panthers in this side, I just realised. So we've got the hooker, Billy Scott, the back rower, Harry Hassett, uh, the winger for Queensland, that Timothy Selath Burns, and the 17, Luron Patea. Yeah, for a team that's been so dominant at the junior level, four mm-hmm. seems like a low number. I know, grand scheme of things, that's actually... A considerably sizable representation from one team, mm-hmm. but it does seem a little bit low. Um, but obviously, interesting that the Panthers have a couple of young cookies coming through because mm-hmm. we've touched on Riley Smith a fair bit. They've also got so they've had five players. Sorry, I missed one. Oh, that included Jesse McLean, but Jesse McLean was only late scratching Riley Smith. They've yep. also got Luke Summerton, who, from all reports I'm told, he will be upgraded to a top thirty. And we've highlighted him at times in our lower grade report. But my friend, it is time for our Lol Cow of the Week. This week, I am going to go with... Um, can I award two for the same thing? Why not? Why not? We don't have any written rules for Lol Cows, so... Buzz and Gus. Gus <laughs> and Buzz. <laughs> The Chronicles of Tino Fasua Malawali, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Buzz came out and he was loaded on 360. He had sources. He was ready to go to court <laughs> to defend that story. And Gus is just, I like how plain Gus is just like, no comment. You do the same thing. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. That's unfair. I am going to block you. <laughs> It's so bad. It's like watching. You gotta a... love it when the two fucking geriatrics of rugby league go at it. Like, mm-hmm. it's so fun. It's so fun. Brandy was a close second with his um. That's rude to Bradman Best. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, he got vindicated. If they got vindicated, as we touched got vindicated on. Vindicated by that. <laughs> but Reese, what do you have, my friend? Thanks. It is a log out to the Daniel Ricciardo haters. <laughs> Our boy is back in Formula One, baby. <laughs> in 
case you missed the news, Daniel Ricciardo has been given a drive for the remainder of the season with the Red Bull second team in AlphaTauri. It is a massive decision because, first of all, he had come out publicly and said he didn't want to race for one of the teams at the back of the grid. But it now seems as though this is a genuine chance for him to stake his claim at a seat in the main Red Bull team to replace Sergio Perez. So, but obviously, there were a lot of people who said that Daniel Rick's Formula 1 career was over. He was going to take the sabbatical and never get another chance again. To you, I say, in the words of Valtteri Bottas, to whom it may concern, fuck you. <laughs> I love it, my friend. Before we wrap up today, we do have a bit of an announcement to make. Now, tomorrow, Friday, I'm going one-on-one with the man himself, Ian Roberts. Now, you might have heard me on last week's show say I had a message from a contact (laughs) needing to book an interview. That's what I was doing. I was booking another exclusive interview for the program. I go one-on-one with a gentle giant. Of rugby league. I was having my production meeting with him on Tuesday. It's going to be a good one. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I'm massively looking forward to hearing it. Obviously, that uh, Mosse Masoi one was tremendous. He did an excellent job with him. And I think that this has a chance to be just as good, if not better. So, definitely one we could tune in for. When should we expect the interview to be released, AJ? Good question. Now, I'm thinking I'm going to hold off releasing the interview because we're going to do our weekly review on the Monday. So I will release it on Tuesday in our old time slot. So we're going to go two episodes this week, three episodes for the whole week. So very, very lucky. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Of course, I have to do a heavy uh, post-production phase, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, 100%. And I think everyone who listens to this program should definitely be Setting their watches to tune into that because I think it'll be a tremendous interview. Like I said, the Mossy Masori one went so, so well. And hopefully this one does the same. That will wrap us up for our look at Origin 3. We'll be back on Monday with our look at round 20. Reese, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, AJ. Can't wait to do this all over again on Sunday night. We'll catch you then. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys.